Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello and thank you for joining me today. A better week for investors with both equities and bonds rallying as the market interpreted the minutes of the Fed's latest meeting as being more balanced than the headline rhetoric we've been hearing on a daily basis. The US dollar also weakened slightly and is now down significantly from the high, although it remains above the psychological 100 level. Later today, we'll be releasing our weekly market view publication titled, Is the Fed Winning? And to discuss this, I have with me today Fukien Yap, who is a senior equity strategist within the CIO office. Aside from the Fed, we'll be discussing the uh, outlook for growth and inflation and the implications for bond markets, corporate earnings growth and the US dollar. Fukien will also give a quick update on the outlook for the China market. So Fukien, I I guess the best place to start is inflation and inflation expectations. So the minutes from the Fed's meeting, as I mentioned, it it did have something for both hawks and doves to latch on to. But there are signs that inflation and inflation expectations may be peaking. So how are you viewing this and what might it mean for central bank policies and the risk of recession? Yes, thanks, Steve. Um, it is still early days, uh, but there are signs that the Fed is winning for now uh, in its battle against inflation. Uh, we've seen the 10-year expected inflation fall from a peak of 3% in April to below 2.6% now. So this keeps the Fed on the path, we believe, uh, to engineer a soft landing for the US economy, which is critical for risk assets to recover. Now, the minutes from the Fed's meeting suggest that most policymakers do not expect more rate hikes than what the market is already pricing. So what this means to us is that the Fed will likely push through 50 basis point hikes in each of the June and July meetings. And after that, they will stay data dependent. So far, we think we're still within the path for a soft landing in the US economy. A business confidence or PMI data in May was still healthy. Uh, Durable goods orders or your business spending plans also look reasonable. Uh, Job openings and non-farm payrolls, this will be key data points to watch uh, next week. Now, the health of the U.S. job market is pretty key in our view uh, to engineer a soft landing uh, because Powell's goal is to slow down job creation but without causing a surge in unemployment. Uh, We have record job openings now which point to a tight labor market But as interest rates rise and more workers return uh, to the job market in the coming months, we expect the tight labor market and wage pressures will start to ease. And this helps the Fed bring inflation further under control. Yeah, and I guess if we look at the US market, the housing market has been a a little bit on the soft side recently, not surprising given the uh, increase in mortgage rates that we're seeing. So that should slow growth as well to some degree. Um, Okay, let's move to inflation. So inflation is is obviously still high. It's going to take a long time for it to get anywhere close to central bank targets of around 2%. Uh, So what's the implications of this for the outlook for bond markets? Yeah, looking at the bond markets, uh, the US 10-year government bond yields, uh, they've fallen nearly 50 basis points uh, since making a high of 3.2%. So the bond yield has fallen, uh, driven by more concerns about growth, uh, less hawkish than expected Fed guidance, as well as a fall in inflation expectations. Uh, However, we believe this sharp pullback in the yields is overdone. Uh, There was a short positioning in the bonds that was stretched and short covering meant that the bond prices were pushed higher, leading to lower, lower yields. 
Uh, we think the U.S. 10-year yields will consolidate around current levels and then retreat uh, and then test, retest uh, 3% again over the next uh, few months. Uh, when there is more confidence in the economy and uh, less fears about a sharp slowdown in growth, uh, that's when we think it can retest 3% again. Uh, what can bond investors do? Uh, given the fall in bond yields, it has led to an increase in price uh, for the developed market investment-grade bonds. Uh, we would take this opportunity to rotate out of these investment-grade bonds and into three areas of the bond markets that we prefer. Uh, that is your developed market high-yield bonds, Asia dollar bonds, and emerging market US dollar government bonds. Okay, so let's move on to equity markets. Obviously, you know it has been a better week for equity markets. We shouldn't shirk away from that. But I do get the sense that sentiment is still pretty fragile out there. And you did mention some concerns about growth. So what does this mean for the outlook for US equities? Um, there's obviously been a lot of questions coming out around the outlook for profit margins and also earnings. Yeah, so since the start of the year, uh, US GDP growth has been downgraded and there are increasing concerns about the impact of inflation on profit margins. Uh, however, the consensus earnings estimate for the US equity market overall remains slightly up, actually, compared to the start of the year. So according to Refinitiv data, the latest estimate for the US uh, 2022 EPS growth is 9.3%, uh, compared to 8.4% expected at the start of the year. Now, behind this overall number for the whole market, there are underlying differences by sectors, uh, notably your materials, energy, and real estate. They've seen the largest upward revision to earnings growth. On the other hand, are communication services, consumer discretionary, and consumer staples have seen the largest downward revisions. Now, this partly reflects the uneven impact of inflation and high commodity prices. That's good for some sectors. But the consumer-facing sectors, or those with less pricing power, will suffer downgrades. Uh, another driver we see for earnings is uh, higher interest rates, which benefit the financial sector, as we saw this week when a major U.S. bank upgraded their guidance for net interest income. So if we try to digest these various drivers, uh, even as GDP growth slows and costs rise, uh, the different drivers will interact and result in overall earnings growth that has been robust so far. Now, a further slowdown in GDP growth would surely mean more headwind for corporate earnings, but we expect a sharp slowdown will likely be avoided as the inflation comes under control in the second half of this year, and the Fed can then raise rates at a more measured pace. So we, we expect U.S. equities to perform in line with global equities, and we continue to have a favorable view for global equities uh, to outperform other asset classes. And sector-wise, we have a preferred view in the U.S. for the energy, financial, and healthcare sectors. Okay, so let's move on to currencies. I mean, one of the clearest trends we've seen so far this year, at least until recently, has been uh, dollar strength. Um, we are starting to see signs maybe of a top being put in place. Um, do you agree that that's, that's the outlook? And if so, which currencies do you think will benefit the most? Uh, yes, we, we do expect the broad U.S. dollar to peak and we maintain a bullish outlook uh, for the Australian dollar, Canadian dollar, and New Zealand, uh, New Zealand dollar. Uh, as we think uh, these three uh, economies should outperform, and the key drivers here are commodity demand, more hawkish central banks, cheap valuations, and uh, neutral positioning. Now the RBNZ, they surprised markets this week uh, with their more hawkish outlook, 
alongside a consensus uh, 50 basis points uh, rate hike. Uh, but of the three, the RBNZ is more advanced in its uh, rate normalization cycle, and uh, New Zealand exports are less diversified. So the New Zealand dollar is likely, we think, uh, to be a follower rather than a leader in the coming weeks. Uh, we prefer the Australian dollar slightly more than the Canadian dollar uh, due to one, a very attractive terms of trade where it has higher export prices relative to import prices. And uh, two, the RBA is at an earlier stage of its rate hike cycle compared to the Bank of Canada. And uh, three, the Australian dollar is relatively cheaper and largely underowned. Uh, the Canadian dollar is driven by oil, lumber, and agricultural exports, and it's highly sensitive to US economic uh, performance. But the Aussie dollar is driven by coal, gas, and metals, and is particularly sensitive to China growth. Now, US economic outperformance has been a tailwind for the Canadian dollar, but uh, China lockdowns and slowing growth have been a headwind for the Aussie dollar. Uh, the recent change of Australian political leadership uh, gives an opportunity for a diplomatic reset with China, and if signs of more aggressive China stimulus continues and the lockdowns fade, uh, the Aussie dollar has ample scope to appreciate, while the slowing US growth may also dampen Canadian performance on a relative basis. Okay, so let's continue with the China theme, right? So it's obviously very important for the Aussie, but it's obviously also important for the China stock market. So can you give us an update on developments there, both from a lockdown and an and a economic policy perspective and, and how it might influence the stock market? Yeah, Ch China appears to be picking up the pace of policy easing. Right This week, uh, Premier Li Keqiang, he told the local government officials to focus on reviving the economy uh, while authorities unveiled more tax cuts. And also the PBOC, after cutting key interest rates uh, linked to mortgages, and infrastructure lending last week. They met with the big banks this week uh, to discuss boosting lending. Uh, however, the COVID policies are still a dampener for consumer and for risk sentiment. Uh, while we see that infections in Shanghai have declined, uh, Beijing recorded a new high in COVID infections. So a peak in infections across major cities will be needed for China to relax its zero COVID policies. Uh, in, in any case, uh, we compared the current pullback in equity markets compared to the 2008 to 2009 uh, bear market. And during this comparison, you can see that the equity market in China and Asia and Japan, they do stand out in terms of the degree and duration of the pullback. Now, Asia and Japan and China stocks are also extremely undervalued, uh, trading close to a 30% discount to global equities. Uh, this shows that a lot of downside risks have been priced in and Asia Japan is a preferred equity market for us. And another potential catalyst is uh, President Biden's plans uh, potentially to lift tariffs on imports from China, which could revive sentiment. Okay, well, thanks, Fukien. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of data to watch out for. So including, obviously, China and U.S. business sentiment, as well as the employment report and job openings data out of the U.S. So it's going to be a busy, busy data week for people to scrutinize signs of slowing growth and peaking inflation uh, inflation pressures. But uh, thanks for taking us through that. Um, obviously, that's all we have time for today. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, we wish you an extremely good weekend ahead. And I will talk to you again next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. 
For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.